Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to the first news meeting live. This is the podcast that brings you into the newsroom to hear the arguments that happen in meetings just like this, every day. My name is James Harding. I'm the editor of Tortoise. And I've also been the editor of the Times newspaper. I was the director of BBC News. So my job is to try to make a judgment about what the running order should be. As usual, three journalists are each going to pitch to me the story they think mattered most this week. And together, we're going to try and make sense of them. And at the end, it's my job to try to make a decision about what leads the news. So from Podimo and Tortoise, welcome to the news meeting. You might have noticed that things are a little different this week because for the first time we're recording this podcast in front of a live audience here in the Tortoise Newsroom. And joining me on stage are Liz Mosley. Liz has been an editor here at Tortoise but also before that worked for The Times, The Telegraph, Heat and Elle magazine. I'm worried you said has been. Has been, like yes. could be the end of it. Well, you know, let's see how this goes. The next half hour or so. Yeah, that's right. It's the Hunger Games of news. Um, Giles Patel is the deputy uh, editor here and the world affairs editor at Tortoise. Giles uh, worked with me at the Times. He was the chief leader writer there. And then he's worked in newsrooms in LA, in Moscow, I think that's right, in Washington, has a soft spot for Kyrgyzstan. Uh, and today he brings all of that uh, to his debut here on the news meeting. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. But most excitingly, we're joined by Rosie Holt. Uh, Rosie is, it's, we've got a list of things here, Rosie. Satirist, actor, comedian. I think you're doing a show at the moment, the Rosie Holt. The Woman's Hour. The yes. Woman's Hour, Rosie yes. Holt, The Woman's Thank Hour. You. Um, but you've, you've left that for this hour. Because I'm the best journalist of them all. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, Rosie, world's greatest journalist. Before we hear what they think mattered most this week, here's a quick reminder of what's happened in the past seven days. The United States has again called on the warring parties in Sudan to put down their guns. Just, this is, this is our new normal now. 
the $1.6 billion defamation case against Fox News. Late this afternoon, the judge announcing a settlement was reached between Dominion Voting Systems and the cable media giant. Former boss of the business group CBI says his reputation has been totally destroyed after being fired over complaints about his behavior. I want to apologize to anybody at the CBI that I upset, that I made uncomfortable. But it's so clear, I've been made the fall guy. Not that they just throw me under the bus, they reversed the bus back over me. The King and Queen Consort have unveiled their coronation quiche. I'm fine with the spinach, no. but I'll pass on the broad beans. <laughs> right, well, I think we're probably going to be able to save ourselves some time. It's the quiche. It's the, the quiche leaves. Um, all right, well, listen, before we get into any stories in depth, why don't we do long story short? Each of you, if you would, just introduce what you think is the story in a single sentence. Liz, start with you. I've gone for one word. Unsettled. Unsettled. Mm. Giles? I've gone for a hyphenated word. Super heavy. <laughs> Rosie, you're allowed to have as many words <laughs> as you like. three words. <laughs> Party eats itself. Unsettled. Super heavy. Party eats itself. Like a haiku. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. A haiku of news. Mm. OK, Liz. So, in many ways, this is the most disappointing news story that there has ever been. <laughs> because Fox and Dominion Voting Systems settled just literally moments before the trial was due to start. Which means we won't get to see Rupert Murdoch, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson and the like testify. Gutted. Absolutely gutted. Um, but the deal was this. Uh, $787 million uh, damages, just about half what they were going for. What Dominion was going for. What Dominion was going for. An acknowledgement um, that the claims broadcast by Fox about Dominion were false. An acknowledgement, but crucially, no on-air apology which was, we understand was a big part of the mediation in reaching the settlement. And indeed, the Fox statement included this absolute classic, um, which was that the outcome of the case reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards. <laughs> <laughs> which I think we can all agree is indeed truth. <laughs> so, um, but why, why this matters? Because when, when it settles, I sort of had the real sinking feeling of like, oh, that looked like it was going to go somewhere. But it's worth just sort of pausing to think, OK, well, where, where does that leave us? Um, and the, the, the first thing I, I think is that Fox got away with it, really, because uh, $797 million um, is a lot of money, but they can afford it. They have, um, in February, Lachlan Murdoch told um, an investor meeting they have $4 billion cash in the bank at Fox, and they did $4 billion, um, in revenues last year. So it's not it's a, it's a large amount of money, but it's by no means an existential amount of money. Um, it's enormously high by the standards of defamation cases. It's the biggest, it's the biggest um, publicly, disclosed, publicly disclosed sum ever in an American defamation case. Yes. Right. Um, so, and actually, on the size of the settlement... There's a sort of interesting tactical thing, which is it's not an existential amount of money for Fox, but in setting a precedent, it possibly would be for Newsmax, uh, the rival right-wing news service in the States, which is being sued also by Dominion and by Smartmatic. So there are another two big suits heading okay. for that smaller organisation. All right, let's, can we just do a moment of new readers start here? Yeah. So th this is the case that Dominion Voting Systems yeah. brought against Rupert Murdoch's Fox News. Yeah for, they said, 
putting on air stories about Dominion mm-hmm. which they knew to be untrue. Correct. And there were the most uh, extraordinary pre-trial disclosures um, that contained WhatsApp messages, emails, and indeed personal testimony given by Rupert Murdoch himself and other senior people at the network on air and off air that revealed that they had discussed between them explicitly knowing that the people that they were platforming and the claims that they were repeating, they, they knew that they were not true. Um, and their defence, Fox's defence, and I think this is why on, on the one hand this settlement is a sort of win for American democracies that the, the judge, uh, Judge Eric Davis, um, in, in his sort of uh, his conclusion, his sort of summary judgment, 130 pages worth of it, he wrote in capitals, it was crystal in capitals clear that the uh, claims about Dominion that Fox had broadcast were lies in effect taking away their defence, which was a First Amendment defence. They said that because it was the president that were saying these lies, that's what made them news. So they, the, the judge effectively said, that, that doesn't work, you can't have that defence. Uh, the, the one thing that intrigues me about the settlement and about the statements outside the court mm. is we still don't really know why Fox settled. So there's, there's a theory which is the human theory, which is they just didn't want Rupert Murdoch on the stand. Mm. He's 92 years old what would be revealed about him and his leadership of the company, or there's this argument that they could have lost Fox, this this idea of actual malice, i.e. deliberately putting on air something that they knew to be misleading. Mm. And do we have any idea of what was, what, what drove the decision to settle, or just they thought they'd lose? Off, off the record, um, a, a, a person who might know has intimated to me that it, it wasn't the former. It wasn't it, it that wasn't Rupert, Rupert is too ill, they don't want to see him. It, what, that wasn't the reason. I think if you look at how it's played out, I mean, bearing in mind, you know, we talked about the amount of the damages. Um, Press Gazette did a brilliant piece of work towards the end of 2021 that looked at the overall cost to date of the phone hacking scandal to News Corp, which is a, somewhere between 1.3 and 1.4 billion and, and counting, um, including legal fees, damages the loss of revenues on the close of the news of the world, restructuring, all that stuff. So this is, this is not half that. But, but so, it's only just begun. But, but, but this has just started. Um, interesting fact um, is that the settlement in Rupert Murdoch's second divorce um, was 1.7 billion. So that's more than all, all of the things combined. So, you know... Yeah. Rosie, what do you think of this story? Um, I think the story is incredible, but it, it is it is disappointing. It is unsettling because I was so looking forward to a, a court date, <laughs> especially because, you know, Succession has only got a few more episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's not much left to go. I, I was always taught that there's a problem with media stories, that the media cares more about them than people do. Yeah. Journalists love a journalism story and probably a Rupert Murdoch story most of all. Full disclosure, I work for the Times. Do you think that this is one of those stories that's really interesting if you're into the news and the Murdoch saga, but actually, given everything else that's going on in the world, it probably doesn't merit leading the news? I think a lot of us wanted to see him go down in court because uh, Fox News is a bit insidious and, and some might argue dangerous. Charles, can I just ask you one like slightly boring in the weeds question, which is the 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 reporting of the Fox Dominion settlement 
by Fox itself mm -hmm. and by some of the other news outlets. Mm -hmm. What do you make of that? So there was a total of six minutes of Fox News coverage of the settlement over the course of the sort of day, the news cycle following the announcement, uh, buried quite near the bottom of, I think, three different bulletins. The big names who were named in the indictments didn't cover it at all. Um, the Times, for which we both worked, buried it right at the bottom of the website. The uh, Wall Street Journal, which is wholly owned by News Corp, actually led the reporting on the whole story, put it top left, and um, kudos to them and to their new editor, Emma Tucker, who mm. used to be deputy editor of The Times. Um, and That's a cool. I, it would have been fun to be a fly on the wall uh, in some of those conversations. Uh, but one important thing in this, which is, this is really significant at the beginning of a US electoral cycle, to if you like, put to bed some of the lies of 2020, it's not clear that unless Fox broadcasts that story and makes it public, that it is going to move the dial in terms of public perceptions around the Trump-Biden election. Absolutely. Um, the, the sort of rump of true believers, but, um, you know, 70% of Republican voters, 30-odd percent of, of the electorate, get their news, if not from Fox, then from outlets to the right of Fox, and they, they will either uh, not hear of this settlement or will tune it out and, or actively disbelieve it. You look at the comments following uh, some stories on the settlement and uh, right-wing commenters just saying, well, this is a shame because it's true that Dominion Voting Systems does rig elections all over South America. Right, let's go. Giles, what's your story? What are you pitching as the most important story of the week? Okay, or at least uh, uh, of the century. Uh, at about uh, Texas toast time this morning, 8.30 this morning, um, Texas time, the biggest rocket ever built blasted off from Boca Chica, which is a homemade cosmodrome built entirely by one company, SpaceX, about 120 metres tall. It lasted about four minutes and six seconds, and then spectacularly... Um, started spinning. It was supposed to separate, send the launch vehicle, this sort of slightly very phallic uh, starship. <laughs> I was already finding the whole thing pretty arousing, so it's good to know that. <laughs> uh, uh, starship space vehicle all the way around the Earth, which it was to plunge into the Pacific uh, off Hawaii. That didn't work. The whole thing stuck together and sort of spun towards the Gulf of Mexico and exploded shortly before crashing into it. So to that extent... It was a failure, but... <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Charles. Hold but on, hold no on. more than the fact that Fox Dominion settled. So no, no, okay, hold on, hold on. I, I actually, I genuinely... So, so that's all amazing. Where were they going? What were they doing? Okay, this was a test flight. There was no one on board. It was, it, it was, it went much further. So it's a massive firework, basically. Yes, I, I really need to be absolutely clear that this was a technological triumph. They, they lowered expectations, but even uh, making allowances for that, this, this massive package... It's right, going really well, Charles. Just keep, keep going. This massive package had never taken off before. You have to... And not only did this it take off, yeah. it flew for four minutes and six seconds. It passed what you know uh, is called Max-Q, the point of maximum aerodynamic pressure on the launch vehicle. They have a record of picking up the pieces, starting again. There's absolutely no question that uh, they will make this work. They have with all their other rockets. But, but Charles, for what? 
to go to the moon. Now this is the key point. I've been told that this section has to last no, no more than two minutes, so bear with me. Um, uh, um, SpaceX have completely revolutionized space travel already by making launch vehicles uh, reusable. Both these, both the, the Starship bit at the top and the booster at the bottom are designed to be reusable. They're made out of stainless steel, which is cheap, they're incredibly strong. They will be reusable. Why do I say that? Because the record with the smaller rocket, the Falcon and the Falcon Heavy, they, they've made it work. You will have seen on YouTube three of them landing together and they can make, do it on barges in the this ocean. Is, this is the, the, yeah. These are the rockets yeah. that yeah. return to Earth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and the real vote of confidence in this whole package is NASA's. NASA has built uh, a giant rocket derivative based on Saturn V called Artemis II with which they hope to take people back to the moon. Will they actually get people to the moon with that technology? No. They depend on this very thing that took off today to meet the astronauts in high lunar orbit, um, you know, 240,000 miles from Earth, and they will transfer into the phallus-shaped spaceship. Elon Musk, this is Elon yes, Musk. Yes, it will be there to meet them. NASA is counting on it. This is the bus home? No, this is the bus to take them to the moon. Okay. Nothing in the whole Artemis rocket package can actually get the astronauts to the moon. They are relying on what took off today to be there, going round so the moon. Like, so this is like when you go to Bista Village to go shopping. You get, it's you, the bus. You, the bus to Bista. Well, you get a train to Bista, and it's the bus that gets you actually to the shopping centre. <laughs> Have you ever been to Mr. Village? Close. <laughs> well, hang on. I, I, actually, so, so, sorry, I do just want to understand seriously. What you're saying is they, that this was a test of a technology which would enable us, a reusable technology, yeah. that would enable us to provide essentially a commuting service from Earth to the lunar orbit from which NASA will then be able to take you to the surface of the Earth. No, other way around. Other okay. way around. All NASA can do is take you to the lunar orbit. Correct. And then this will go from the uh, from the from the moon to Artemis and back again. F from uh, lunar orbit, it, it'll go from Earth to lunar orbit. Yes. It'll wait there. The astronauts will climb from a small uh, space capsule into this very large one, bizarrely, mm -hmm. and it will use that very large one to go down to the surface of the moon, and to come back to Earth orbit, get back into the NASA. Cheap um, uh, bus, bus, and come back like that. It's an absolute mess. But hold on, Charles, just understand. When does that happen? When when do people start commuting? from 2025? If all all going being being well for NASA, but it and, won't. And be. what's the significance of this by comparison with each of the other stages in which we've heard that Elon Musk's SpaceX is going to essentially take Thank a bigger Thank you for part. asking. <laughs> there is I'm, tremendous I'm help, yeah. tremendous significance. This was built for something altogether more ambitious. This was built to go to Mars. To Mars. He's completely mm. serious about that. Say what you like about Elon Musk. He's reinvented. He's invented electric cars. He's sort of reinvented motoring. He's reinvented space travel. He's completely serious about going to Mars. This is the only rocket ever built that is remotely capable of doing that. Today's crash notwithstanding. So when does it? When does it begin and to his, try going to Mars? His timetable for that. There, 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 there is always a lot of um, sort of exaggeration there. But I mean, 2030 type thing. And. It's hard. If oh, we, pause a second. Hold on. It is quite hard to see. In all seriousness, although it's incredible, and listening to you is incredible, it's hard to see how that's a story that leads the news. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable.
Possibly. You were editor of the Times and director. <laughs> no, I've lost. I know. I've lost it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Look, no, look, but seriously, how does it? No, no, but how does it lead the news? This is a this is a test of a vehicle in the process of production. The first test of the vehicle that is most likely to make Homo sapiens what Musk describes as an, uh, a multiplanetary species. If and when that happens, and this is the most likely technology to make that happen, it will be, it will surpass 1969 and the moon landings. It will be on a par with finding out whether or not we're alone in the universe. And today was the day it first flew for four minutes. And I do think that on the day that we actually, you know, like 69, we'd probably go, oh, that's a story. Maybe we'll put that in the news. But the day that they tested or did a test on the Saturn Fives, <laughs> did they start thinking, okay, well, yeah, that, on that testing days, did it that, leave the news? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna assert that it did. Neither, <laughs> was, neither of us was alive um, Rosie, um, help. Well, <laughs> what um, do you think? I'm um, very confused. Um, I thought I liked it. Did you see it? Did you see it? No, I liked your story. All right, do watch it, it's right there. I, I will. Um, I, I just don't understand anything, I'm afraid. Um, no, but, but actually, hold on a second, Rosie. There's yes. an important thing there, which is that is part of what the job of the news is, is to tell many people what few people know. And yeah. what Charles is saying in that sense is actually, I know that should lead the news, because this is really significant. It looks as though we're, we're in danger of getting blinded by science and, and you know, technical detail, but this is a massively <clears throat> significant step today that you might mis easily misunderstand as just a kind of egomaniac, trillionaires, crash-tested yeah, rocket. Yeah, I, I think also, I mean, the, the problem with Elon Musk, because as, as you're right, Elon Musk has done some very impressive things, but um, uh, certainly for me, he's synonymous with ruining Twitter. Which is <laughs> You've done some work there. <laughs> what, 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 but, but Rosie, what do you think about people who say, actually, that's exactly the problem with the media. We spend all of our time talking about Elon Musk and Twitter. Yeah. And actually, the much more significant thing is either Tesla and the remaking of the electric vehicle market or potentially space. Yeah. And is there an argument for that too? No, definitely, definitely. I, I was more, um, it was a less a criticism of the story and more a criticism of myself. Um, <laughs> I, I do think it's important. I just wish I understood it better, but the, the, the figures and facts make me panic. Liz, what do you think of the story? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> really, really? Is it, but is it that just because there's just too many rockets and gizmos? The double thrusting was... <laughs> I think, uh, so if, you can't lead the news every time Elon Musk says he's got a really brilliant idea. That You can't do that. And it did blow up. And so on any measure, it, however, um, it's definitely not a leading news story. It just isn't. It's not like the nuclear fusion thing. So we can, we can get excited about amazing, brilliant scientific breakthroughs, and I accept your excitement that this is one of, in that bucket of type of thing, but the job of the news, I think, is not to do massive rocket double thrust. It's about saying, <laughs> if human beings are going to be an interplanetary uh, species, species and we have to be that because we've knackered our own planet. These are the steps that are required. These are the things that NASA's made this shit rocket can't get all the way. They've got to build a bus. You know, th that, that's, that's something that's worth understanding, but it's not a front page news story. All right, well, we... 
<laughs> All right, well, let's go to you, Rosie. Um, what's your story, and, and why do you think it should lead the news this week? Okay, so the story is party eats itself. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a bake-off story. It's a bake-off. Yeah, that's why it's British bake-off. Um, no, it's the, the S&P. So on Tuesday, the new leader of, of the S&P, Hamza Youssef, um, well, delivered a speech that was billed as the new administration's kind of programme of, of what they were going to do. But it was completely overshadowed because the S&P treasurer, Colin Beattie, was arrested. <laughs> yes. And uh, even better, this is not their... F- uh, not even better, but it's not their... <laughs> it's not their first arrest. So I think it's great. So he was arrested as part of Operation Branch Form. Colin Beattie, the S&P treasurer, was arrested, but released without charge... Uh, and the same is true, actually. Peter Murrell, Nicola Sturgeon's husband, yes. has, was arrested, but then also released without charge. Without charge, yeah. So, in fact, so far, no one's been charged. Two people arrested, but no one's been charged. No one's been charged. Basically, 600 uh, grand went, went missing. Where did it go? We don't know. So No, hold on. Where did it go? Where did it go? So is it, isn't it the case that they raised £600,000 to fight another... For another referendum. Uh, uh, independent yes. referendum. And then what we just assume that they spent it on SNP running costs rather than ring-fenced for the referendum. Is the sort of implication of that, oh, it went into sort of someone's pocket? We don't, we don't think that, do we? No, we just think we that don't they think didn't that. spend it in the yes. way in which they promised to. The best bit about the whole story, the whole, I'd say the whole story, I mean, this, this investigation's been going on for a while, mm. but in the last, the last few weeks, really, was the fact that a camper van... Yes. Not just a camper van, but a luxury camper van. Um, it was seized by police. Uh, at, yeah. Before it, before it got away. Um, at Nicola Sturgeon's um, mother-in-law's house. And they claimed that this camper van was for SNP purposes. But a lot of, of SNP leaders have said, we didn't know about this super camper van. And they're jealous. And so, and so if you're, th- this is the bit where the geographical bias of tortoise is going to play out, isn't it? We're in yeah. London. It is, and so there's certain people here, like Colin Beatty, who suddenly become a name. Yeah. And truth is, lots of people didn't know who Colin Beatty was until he was arrested and resigned. Why does all this matter? Where does it, where does it end? Well, because it could have huge ramifications. It could lead to... Um, the SNP has had such a stronghold over Scotland... And it, it could lead to the fall of the SNP, which would mean that Scottish Labour... Um, <laughs> which could mean that Scottish Labour could get a real foothold and which mean that Labour could get in in this country. It also raises questions about uh, Scottish independence. So um, it could have really far-reaching consequences. Um, Giles, what do you think of the story? I agree with Rosie that it's very significant. I'm feeling generous. I'm feeling quite generous today about other people's <laughs> stories. Um, whether the SNP, uh, whether independence, I think it's interesting. It, it feels like a balloon is quite swiftly deflating, a balloon that was the dream of independence, which got fattest shortly after Brexit. Um, and now it seems to have been dependent to a greater extent than we thought on personalities. The Salmond and Sturgeon, very strong, one after the other. Or is it because it probably won't have changed the irreducible number of Scots who want independence and who are waiting for someone more compelling than Hamza Youssef to come along? Um, 
But I tell you, I, I, I agree with Rosie that it'll have profound implications for the next Westminster election. And just one other thing I want to say. We look on, sort of chortling, at this spectacle of a ruling party fighting amongst its, <laughs> its own members, right? Mm-hmm. What, imagine what it's been like for them these past 12 years. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of this? I think, it's a su- I think it's super interesting. I do think it's important. I, I might be thinking about it in entirely the wrong way, but um, we get very hot under the collar in general or suspicious, maybe, about big party donors. We sort of, in general, people don't like that thing. They worry about sort of influence and things. And we obviously did all that work on Westminster accounts for for a reason, because you want to know where those relationships are. But smaller political parties struggle to fund themselves. Like, it's hard hard to fund a political party. And if the SNP, who we've watched and observed, have, as you say, an extraordinary run in Scotland, really, whether it's through the personalities and the charisma of of Salmon and Sturgeon or, or for other reasons, the fact that that party was you know, struggling to pay the bills, it's not, that itself is not a good sign for democracy. All right, well, listen, why don't we cut to the chase? If you've been in a news meeting before, there is a wrangle similar to this. In fact, it's not always like this. Either you come at a news meeting and you're just inundated with stories, you've got a dozen and you've only got room for half a dozen, or often the cupboard is bare and you don't have anything at all. But once everyone's pitched, typically it's the job of the editor then to try and say, all right, what's the running order? What should lead the news and why? And I'm going to have a go at that in one moment. But before I do, would each of you suggest, and you're not allowed to pick your own story, Giles, <laughs> would each of you suggest which story you think should lead the news? Rosie, why don't you go first? Um, unsettled uh, for the Fox versus Dominion. You know, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, um, you know, I think he I, I, he controls a lot of the media. This this is a very interesting case about media and about what its what its role and what its obligations are. And also, you, it did arguably contribute to some very angry people storming Congress. Charles, I would choose uh, Fox Dominion because even though they settled, uh, the main lawyer for Dominion got to have his soundbite, which is carried. Slightly on Fox, but definitely across all the other networks for the large American audience to hear saying lies have consequences. Yeah. Liz? Um, I lead with uh, the party itself, for sure. Because? Um, because Giles' rocket blew up, and because <laughs> I, um, I think as a newsroom we uh, care about democracy, and I think this is a story that helps us to understand the functioning of the system of democracy in a way that we have been interested in for a long time, because I think it speaks to the rules. All right, well, listen, I'm going to have a go. There used to be a saying, so you get to the end of a news meeting, all right, well, that's very interesting. Now, here's what we think. So I'm going to have a crack at exactly how I think we'd run it. I think I should be honest that, in some ways, these are the kinds of stories that I know people hate, in that every one of them is an almost but story. It's a nearly but not quite story. It's a process story. So if you think about Fox Dominion, we've known for weeks, if you followed it for weeks and months, you know that... Fox is being pursued by Dominion. You know that what's at issue here is the news versus the truth. And actually, what we didn't get was an explanation of how Fox did that, why they did that, and a judgment of the individuals involved. It was a very disappointing and frustrating story. 
obviously Elon Musk's rocket blew up so it's a nearly but not quite story there <laughs> and even Rosie I would say the Scotland, Scotland story since Peter Morrell's arrest actually we've known that there is a forceful police investigation into the SNP and the implications of it i.e. what happens to the SNP in Scotland what does that do for Labour and it's prospects in the general election and an independence referendum, all of those things have been on the horizon. So in many ways, each of these stories are, are process stories, they're steps along the way. That said, they're all of enormous significance, and I would run them in this order. Uh, I'd run third, uh, and Rosie, forgive me, no good deed goes unpunished, I'd do the Scotland story. Ah. And the reason, uh, the reason for that is that I think that we haven't really got any closer this week to the two fundamental questions, which is why did the SNP do this and what's driven the investigation? And I think when we get to what's driven the investigation, what the internal politics are in the Scottish independence movement, this thing's going to blow up. And there's much more to go on it. And I suspect that that week it'll be leading the news. The second story on the, uh, I so would then blowing run... up makes that story lead the news. <laughs> and yours runs second, Giles. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and the, reason I li- the reason I would run the, the rocket story second, and not as, I'm not as kind of... Uh, quick to deride it as Liz, <laughs> is that I, I do think there are these really, really big step changes in the way in which human society meets existence, the universe, that creep up on us all of a sudden and we're like, oh my goodness, we've suddenly got a man on the moon and it comes as a surprise. And if we move to a world where it is possible to commute to another planet, to properly investigate Mars, it would be nice to have a sense as an informed listener or reader that this was coming and understand the steps and the technologies that brought us there. So I'd run yours second, but by a country mile, I'm with you, I would run Fox Dominion and unsettle first. And the reason is really simply, Liz, I think two things. One is I do think that in what in our lifetimes is a defining battle for truth, this was a victory Mm. and a really significant one. And secondly, I think it said something really profound about responsibility. Mm. It said that broadcasters have a responsibility to publish the truth, to broadcast the truth over the news. And within that, what's really telling about this particular story is that what was their undoing was that individual journalists had suspicions, doubts, and deep misgivings about these stories, about these individuals, and still put them on air. And so there's a kind of corporate responsibility but individual responsibility that's underlined. So my running order would be Fox Dominion, SpaceX, SNP. Thank you very much. Now, you probably think we got that wrong. <laughs> the beauty of the news, it's an argument on the way to a deadline, and the deadline hasn't quite been reached yet. Well, I'd love to know, and I don't know whether it's possible just to put the lights up, what you think should lead the news, and particularly if you think there's a story that should have been on that list that wasn't on that list at all. So I'm going to ask... Hello, it's Lisa. Hello. Hello, Lisa. <laughs> um, definitely with, with Liz on Fox Dominion, but I'm really curious that you asked why Fox settled, but you didn't ask why Dominion settled. Yeah, and also what happens to all the other evidence that Dominion has managed to collect? They've, they've got many more to come. 
I think, Dominion. I no, think. no, that Smartmatic is going to... No, no, so Dominion is suing Mike, Mike Lindell, oh, the see. pillow guy, Rudy Giuliani individually. I th- Is there one for Sidney Powell as well? They've got lots and up Newsmax. more other suits. Yes, and Newsmax, yeah. Yeah. But, but but Lisa, if you just got the mic, is is your point that what that tells you is that Dominion was convinced it could win, but not convinced it could win to the tune of the one and a half billion dollars it had in mind? Dominion could have lost. I th- that was yeah. uh, that was a uh, Jerry Davis um, didn't think so, but uh, this would have gone to a jury. This would have gone to a jury. Delaware, not Texas, but Dominion could have lost even if they. Uh, um, they hadn't, there would have been years of appeals, and that's, I think, uh, a principal reason why they settled, because the, any, any settlement could have been eroded by that process. There's, Charles, thank you. Lisa, I'm going to just take a few points. There's a gentleman here, and there's some in the back I can Hi, see. my name's Tim Nolan. Um, the um, ice kept melting, I, Antarctic and um, Greenland, perhaps should have led, certainly should have made it onto the front page. And, and, just and why this week, Tim? Uh, just because there was a, um, there were various reports that I think they came out yesterday that reported that the level is accelerating, which I know is not novel in itself, but it's so significant and it's and it's tangible evidence as opposed to speculation. There's someone at the back here now. Yes. Um, this story is about an, a court date that was set this week for an unprecedented climate litigation case. Um, six young Portuguese children and young people are taking 32 European um, countries, governments, to the European Human Rights Court. Um, And it's a really unprecedented case. So the court date has been set in September 27th, I want to say, but don't quote me on that. And um, the reason it's unprecedented, because it's the first time that countries have been grouped in this way, and they're taking them to court because they're failing to meet their reduction targets, and they're not doing enough to combat um, carbon emissions. They're taking all the EU countries, or they're taking a, a yeah, group of EU the countries? 32. They're taking 32 EU governments, and, and it's the first time so many governments and countries have been grouped together in a case like this and it Who, would who's, set, fund, who's funding that who, um, who's enabling those young people so um it's six young people and they're supported by glan which is the global legal action network huh. um and this would set a real precedent for climate litigation cases um and it's basically them trying to fight for their futures That's it for this week's news meeting. Thank you to Liz, thank you to Charles, thank you particularly to Rosie, and thank you everyone for joining us here in our newsroom. Next week I'm going to be joined by three more journalists who again are going to be trying to convince me that they've got the story that mattered the most at the news meeting. And to all of you, thank you very much. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. 
Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow-up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.